Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world recording from my parents' basement. We have returned to where it all began. I'm Jake Mintz, and I am seated mm. here, here in the am. flesh next to Jordan Schusterman. Oh, yeah. There we go. There's that proof as, as Jake has given me a, a pat on the back. Uh, it's so good to be with you here, IRL Jake Mintz. Let's be clear. Your parents' basement, right? Because there are probably other baseball podcasts being recorded in parents' basements. That seems like a safe. That seems like a safe. And but here's what I'll say about that: I want to defend the concept of the the parents' basement being like, oh, ha ha, you're in your parents. Yeah, parents' basement is usually pretty nice and comfortable, and and you get everything you need. And like I was during COVID, I mean, that's where I was for yeah. for, for like the first year of COVID. I was in my parents' basement. It was great. Don't it was ha- awesome. Don't hate on the parents' basement. Okay, <laughs> many great things. Started in a parent's basement. I believe that's where Nikola Tesla mm-hmm. invented energy. Mm-hmm. Well, it was in his parent's basement. Well, that's where uh, the Mariners <laughs> devised the Thai mm-hmm. France trade. Yep. It was Jerry Depoto was in his parent's basement. Yep. So greatness can happen in bizarre it, places. It can. Uh, now, for just for official historical record, I do believe that the first ever Barbacast, OG Barbacast, a little over nine years ago, I believe it was upstairs. I don't know how many, we probably did record some episodes down here at some point, but yes, we are here. We are uh, back in the the uh, the DC area for Thanksgiving, and uh, yeah, I mean, I Jake and I haven't seen each other IRL since All Star, which is I think maybe the longest we've gone, and since probably since college. Um, but yeah, we have we're going to do a podcast because that's our job. Um, and uh, as you can see, if we tweet some clips out the setting here, we are not lying. I mean, we got the board games back here. We got a treadmill. We got all kinds of goofy stuff here. Uh, but we are still going to talk about baseball. Now, on this episode, since we don't have as much, we're going to do some news at the top. We're going to talk about Cody Bellinger, of course, because he's now not on the Dodgers hey, anymore. What team is he on? He's I don't know. I mean, maybe it'll break at some point while we record this. I, I doubt it. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about Bellinger. We'll talk a little Gio Urshela playing shortstop for the Angels. I'll talk about Justin Verlander on Zoom. And then uh, we're going to open it up, get a little goofy because we're here and this is this is what a barbercast is supposed to be. We're going to do some mailbag questions and then we will introduce a new segment later on, which I think those who were listening to the original barbercast will certainly appreciate. But Jake Mintz, let's begin with the, the biggest news. Uh, one of the more, I would say, maybe the biggest non-tender in baseball history. Uh, well, let's just make crazy statements. I'll say that. Uh, I know when Schwarber got non-tender a few years ago, that felt like a big, like in terms of like a really famous player who meant a lot to a fan base. Now that was more of a kind of cold calculated as this is in some ways, like he's not the kind of player that you want to spend X amount of money on. This Cody Bellinger thing, 
I think it's also funny coming off the Kyle Lewis trade where it was like, oh, he was rookie of the year and then they trade him so sad. I'm like, imagine what it's like for Dodgers fans to non-tender Cody Bellinger. Like this is just, this is completely wild. But also like, yeah, he's been horrific the last two seasons. So I totally understand it in some respect. Let's walk through the timeline here. Cody Bellinger drafted out of an Arizona high school by the Dodgers, I believe in the fourth round. Mm -hmm. Not a huge prospect, right? Yeah. Kind of comes up. Son of a big leaguer, though. You son know, of people, a big leaguer? Yeah. Son of a big leaguer. Son of a big leaguer. Uh, also, Little League World Series, right? So, it's he wasn't a total nobody, but it's true, right? Fourth round, he wasn't, like, one of the best high school players in the country. Everyone's like, wow, he's a first baseman. He's really got a hit. Gets to the big league level. Turns out he's also, apparently, a center fielder. A great And one. kind of just hits right away from the jump and then has that 2019 season where he hits 45 47. home runs, 47. So 47 home runs, and most insanely in retrospect, hits 305. <laughs> Cody, I, I, this seems inconceivable now, right? It's like when you see something from before the pandemic, like a video, and you're like, these people look <laughs> so happy. Not... <laughs> Cody Bellinger. These people are sitting really close to each other. <laughs> wow. Cody Bellinger hit 305. Not mm. his on-base percentage, not his slugging percentage. Yeah. Okay. His batting average was 305 in 2019. And it was unbelievable at the time because of how hard he swung. It was this corkscrew, like pendulum swing where he was static and then all of a sudden, kapow, bam. <laughs> and he was this whirlwind of a wonderful player. You and I once had a conversation about what player is most likely to break mm. Barry Bonds' record. Yeah, and he, I both single season and career. It was we were most on career though, but I mean, again, he had he had what a hundred and I mean, boy, the ball was just flying out the yard. Hundred and eleven home runs through his age twenty three season. Through three seasons, he had hundred and eleven homers, and it's really hard to be even remotely on pace. And it was like, wait a minute, this dude's definitely gonna hit five hundred. Forget Barry Bonds, like he's gonna hit five hundred home runs. This is crazy. And now here we are. <laughs> this guy came up so young, swinging so hard. This can't be real. Guess what? It wasn't real. Over the last three oh seasons, my God. since the start of 2020, he has hit 203, 272, 376 for a 74 OPS plus that is 26% worse than the league average hitter. So instead of paying Cody Bellinger an $18 million contract in arbitration, the Dodgers did what seemed impossible three years ago and they non-tendered him. Ah, uh, Before we talk about Bellinger's future, Let's maybe try and explain for some people why that figure was so high, right? Because <laughs> if you if you have a basic understanding of arbitration, it's you are paid for how well you play, essentially. Uh, and but then only based, after your first three seasons, right? The first you're on your minimum for the first three seasons, and then you get to say, "Hey, look what I've done for these first three years." That first year arb, usually your fourth season, you say, "All right, now based on these comps, you know, now you're going to actually pay me ten million instead of five hundred grand." Right. And that's what happened to Cody Bellinger because after his third season, he won the MVP and he starts, you know, setting. I think it, I don't know if it was a total record, but um, he makes eleven and a half in his first year of arb uh, in twenty twenty, which of course ended up being a weird season. But then in twenty twenty, he was starting to decline, but he wasn't that bad, and so then it went up again to sixteen million in twenty twenty one, and then in twenty twenty one, it really all fell apart. But you can't really go backwards in our. Yes, and that's it is almost thing. impossible to go. It is you have to be in extraordinary circumstances to take a pay cut, uh, cut <laughs> in arbitration. And so what that meant is that the Dodgers were presented with, I guess, three options. One was to pay him the eighteen million dollars. Mm -hmm. 
and bring him back, mm-hmm. which they did not do. Good call. <laughs> they could non-tender him, which is what they did, mm-hmm. where he immediately becomes a free agent. Or they could have tried to trade him. And I think that it is telling that they were unable to. I'm sure they made the calls. But what team would want Cody Bellinger at $18 million when you know, and while having to give up a player, yes. while knowing that in a week's time, most they likely... They will probably say adios. Right. Exactly. And now let's also remind everyone that we had this discussion last year about Cody Bellinger because last year he was due to make about $17 million and he was coming off an even worse season. I know he was more injured than he was this season, but I mean, last year he was like literally the worst hitter in baseball. Uh, this season, he was merely one of the worst hitters in baseball, but also still playing an excellent center field because he is an amazing athlete. Uh, and so that made him a, I think he was what worth what, one war? 1.2 war because he was a great defensive center fielder. And he still hit 19 home runs, but yeah, I mean, 78 OPS plus. So they kind of already went through this thinking last year and to to think, okay, well, maybe he can bounce back and get to league average. Maybe he can bounce back. He had a 112 OPS plus in 2020 in the shortened season. Maybe everything in the first three years was a mirage, but he shouldn't be one of the worst players in baseball, right? He should be one of the worst hitters in baseball. Like That swing should not seem possible. That should not. That is, that is just impossible to conceive of. And instead, the Dodgers were like, actually... He actually might just be one of, one of the worst. Now, how did this happen? Right. Yeah. How do you go from Ugh. MVP to the team that has you saying, now nah, we're good in three years? Mm-hmm. Now, the moment that stands out in everyone's mind, fairly mm-hmm. or unfairly, is that play from the 2020 playoffs where I believe he hit the home run mm-hmm. and then did the shoulder bump. The, Cele- the, the, the shoulder slam celebration, yeah, which you see, uh, not not the first player to do that or but the last. He messed his arm up in big time. Required surgery. Yeah, it seems like his shoulder was already not doing well, and he decided to essentially reaggravate the shoulder injury in uh, the silliest possible way, and it, it fucked him up good, and he had to get surgery. Now you've seen a lot of players do that and not get hurt, mm-hmm. and it does raise a question about Cody Bellinger as a. <laughs> uh, how do we do this kindly? <laughs> Uh, Cody Bellinger's level of focus Mm -hmm. and coachability Mm -hmm. might not be the highest. Some on the internet have postulated that Cody Bellinger is a little dumb. (laughs) I am not going to confirm or deny those rumors, but I will say that at all times he moves around the world like Mm. he is uh, wading through a haze (laughs) of bong smoke. And there is a chance that that type of vibe Mm -hmm. is maybe not the most amenable Mm -hmm. to coaching. Now, this is the next point about Cody Bellinger. He's one of the worst hitters in baseball. He could really use a refresh. You know it would be a good team for him that could really coach hitting and has a lot of reclamation projects? <laughs> the Los Angeles Dodgers. If the Dodgers, who have unlocked baseball, couldn't fix Cody Bellinger, mm-hmm. couldn't get to him, it seems to me that it might be a Cody Bellinger problem. I agree with that. However, I will also say that the this is the the nature of the the change of scenery paradigm in sports where even if you are actually in the best scenery the Dodgers <laughs> if you have been there already you probably do need a change to have some level of wake up call and I think that's what they decided right and we've seen versions of this. this is just one of the most extreme cases ever because the highs were so just absurdly high you know this is the other part of it. it's like okay maybe there's some stubbornness maybe he's not adjusting. 
But it's not like he had a rookie season and then he sucked, right? I mean, he was three years of just incredible. And so, I, it's yes, he was striking out a lot, although his strikeout rate also being so low in 2019 is impossible to fathom. But, you know, what are the adjustments that we're talking about here? What I, I don't know. I'm not, listen, I'm, this, isn't, this isn't my job. At the same time, you know, I watch him and he, and he looks pretty hopeless against certain kinds of pitching. But it's again, he was so he was so 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 good. It's not like this was an Aristides Aquino situation where it's like, great dude, you're gonna have your fun for three weeks and then you're basically gonna be out of the league. <laughs> I mean, this this guy was on the top of the on top of baseball and now he's I don't know what he is. Uh, and so now, okay, so let's, let's let's move to the next chapter here. So a report from uh, Jim Bowden said that <laughs> I love this. At least five teams reached out to Cody Bellinger within an hour. Within an hour. Within an hour. Okay. <laughs> Which is great. That's like, yeah, uh, um, I got dumped, but like, you know, like five people. <laughs> a lot like, of people. A lot of people would want to go on swipes, dates than they do. Right, right. Jordan doesn't know. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> time out. Apps. Time out. Do you know the correct direction to swipe? That's what I'm saying. App? I think you, you if I if, if you, I want a match, I you, swipe right. Correct. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So people swipe right on Cody Bellinger within five hours. But here's, I'll make this point. I actually am not sure five teams for a former MVP in the first hour is that impressive. I actually think that might not be a great sign if they're five teams. Because again, we're not talking about taking on 18 million. We're talking about what essentially is just this weird. First of all, he's 27. He's in the Bellinger zone. We talked about it on the last episode, right? He is going to turn 28 next July. He's immediately the youngest free agent. So it's not like uh, it's not like this is a dude over the over the hill, though, I guess it seems like he is in, in, by his years. Uh, Ken Rosal also reported it seems like him and this is another Boris. Now we have another Boris guy in the market, which is funny, um, is that it, it seems like he's going to want to take a one-year deal though, because why would you take, if you believe you can get back to being awesome, then yeah, you're going to take a one-year deal, try to be awesome, and then be a free agent again, again, the youngest free agent next year. So I assume that's what they're going to do. Do you want Cody <laughs> Bellinger on your favorite baseball team? Uh, this is the other great thing about a free agent like this is Essentially, every team, every fan base is contemplating this. Now, not every front office is contemplating this. As I just said, only five teams <laughs> called him uh, within an hour. But every fan base, from the Pirates to the, I'm sure the Astros and the Cubs and the Mariners and the Yankees, everyone is thinking about this. Fans, do I want him? No, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I do not think this needs to be a priority for the Mariners, even though they have said we are still looking for a left-handed hitting outfielder. And Ooh. I'm still like, probably yeah. not. It's funny, right? Because as a fan, you plan your offseason months in advance, where you're like, all right, these are the players I think I <laughs> right. want. Right. This is the holes we need. Here's who's hitting free agency, and then Cody Bellinger shows up, and it's like bonus. <laughs> It's like I didn't even think of this guy right, being right. free. That's that is that is the this. beauty of of non-tenders. It is like, oh hey, here's an additional sixty free agents. Like, oh okay, cool. Sounds sounds like a plan. So I will say this: I'm not going to name names. I am in an Orioles focused group chat. Yes, yes. This and is maybe a more interesting question for for the Orioles here. For the Orioles, uh, and someone in the group chat posted basically. Listen, I know he's been bad, but if the Dodgers do non-tender Ballinger, wouldn't be mind seeing him in orange and black. And someone else doesn't sound like is super excited about it. Someone else <laughs> responded, stop trying to bring in players who suck. And that is kind of my theory and my approach to Cody Bellinger is I think in baseball, we spend too much energy and time looking at the idea of a reclamation project. Mm. 
Just get a good player. Like, <laughs> right, there are I do so agree. many baseball players <laughs> right. who are already good. Yes. They're good right now. Yes. You like it's the idea of a fixer-upper house. Right. Don't just get a house. Like yes. you don't need well, to well, save well, him. But but just get someone who's been saved. The, the difference is is that it. I great point. Although in this analogy, let's uh, listen. Some people can't afford it, but it's baseball. The baseball teams can afford the good baseball players. Right. That is the point. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, let's not just hate on though those who do want to take on a fixer upper just because it's I mean, you know, when I played the game of life, which I'm sure is sitting on this uh, <laughs> this thing behind me, I was like, yeah, give me the the, the crappiest house. I don't care. I'm, I'm not actually living in it. I'm playing the game of life. Anyway, uh, that was 15 minutes on Cody Bellinger. Yeah. You, anything well, else? Well, well, no. OK, fine. Orioles, Mariners, let's move them aside. Where do you actually want them to go? If you get you can put Cody Bellinger on on a team. Uh, I would probably say the Kiwoom heroes in the <laughs> Korean baseball league. What, I could also see him still sucking there just because of like the problems that Cody Bellinger is dealing with. But no, it's true. Uh, okay. Uh, What's like a good spot? Like what are the best? <clears throat> the best parts of Cody Bellinger are the highlights. Because if he's in the Dodgers, we would have to, in theory, watch a lot of him because the Dodgers are important and you have to watch them all the time. I would not like to have to watch him live. I would like Cody Bellinger highlights. Tampa? Sent to me Tampa, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, Colorado's a good one. Is a decent fit. Just Cincinnati, somewhere he can just mm, do his yes, thing. And yes. We talked about this with Joey Gallo. <laughs> Bring me, yeah. Gallo, this is funny too, right? Now you have teams trying to decide between Gallo and Bellinger. <laughs> it's like you were, you were focusing your reclamation project energy on Gallo, and now Bellinger hits the market as well. All right, a couple other pieces of news uh, that we wanted to touch on. Uh, some more. So let, uh, do you want to do Verlander first? Uh, let's do let's do Verlander. Okay, so Justin Verlander. This isn't really news, um, but Justin Verlander is a free agent. He was our, he was not non-tendered. He he's he a regular tendered. regular free agent. Um, we're we're starting to get little 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 notes about. Okay, all right. So we know that Jim Crane is essentially running the Astros. We assume he's going to try to try to get uh, get get back and, and get Verlander back in Houston. But other teams are like, hey, whoa, oh, this guy just won the Cy Young unanimously even though he's going to be 40. Sounds good to me. You know, one of the best pitchers of all time. Sounds like the Mets are in the mix. We got a report from Ken Rosenthal with a great simple detail uh, that they 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 recently spoke uh, with Mr. Verlander by Zoom. You ever heard of a Zoom? Are you familiar with this Zoom? Uh, yes, thing? I'm on it literally as we speak. What I like about this is we get so much fucking nothing yeah, all we winter. We sure do. We get rumors of teams having interest in or checking, have interest. <laughs> checking in on, have spoken with. But what I love about this report is the specificity of it. The idea that the Mets reached out, probably through Justin's agent, and said, do you have a sec to hop on a Zoom? <laughs> it is the most relatable thing Justin mm. Verlander has ever done. Oh, I see Hop on a Zoom. Right. He sat down, presumably at his computer, and he went to his email, and he oh, clicked on a Zoom link, and he couldn't find it. And the time was weird and they wouldn't couldn't let him in. And then Justin Verlander presumably opened the link and Steve Cohen tried to introduce himself, but it was muted. Mm-hmm. And so someone had to be like, Steve, Steve. Hey, Steve. Press. You're muted. Steve. It's Justin Verlander. So <laughs> Justin Verlander changed his background to something goofy. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of who, who was on the Zoom, what was said. That, well, that's also when I see a sentence. The Mets spoke with Verlander by Zoom. 
And that could just Mr. Mean so, Met. That could mean so Mr. many Met. things. That could mean so many things. I mean, are we are we are we you know zooming in the whole you know active roster? Like, are we? I, I would assume this like this has to be up. Or does it include Steve Cohen? I don't know. I yes. think you're giving. Yes. Ver- I th- does it include Steve Cohen? Absolutely. Yes, probably. If it's Verlander, I think absolutely. I don't know if Steve Cohen's meeting with every free agent, but I think you're probably right. My thinking is, I think you're giving him too much credit. I think that that his agent's sending him the link, and he's opening up on his phone. There's no way he's opening up his email. He's pulling up, sorting through his inboxes. Think about how much is in Justin Verlander's email that he's sorting through. I, there's no shot he's opening in his email on his desktop. No sh- no chance. I think he's on his car. Well, how do baseball players zoom in? On their phone in the car. That's, that's come on. Yeah. We, we know that. We know that from experience. That is 100% where, where Verlander did this. Because again, he's, the, he's Justin Verlander. It's not like he has to impress anybody. He, he can show, he could be sitting on the toilet for all he cares. They're still going to want to give him $40 million. <laughs> but yeah. There's nothing Justin Verlander could have done on that Zoom <laughs> to preclude Steve Cohen from being like, that's not the guy. Exactly. Uh, let's think about this quickly. Mm-hmm. Verlander on the Mets would mean no DeGrom on the Mets, almost certainly. Oh, Jesus. Although, do <laughs> think you go DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander? I no. I think I think even though we keep saying that this there is oh. no limit for for uh, Uncle Stevie, I would imagine yes. That would this seems like a very obvious Degrom signs with Texas. We sign Verlander the next day. Um, can I introduce you to my three starter, <laughs> Max Scherzer? Yeah. That's the other thing. <laughs> Who I guess mm. so Verlander and Scherzer. Uh, what do we sense that their relationship is? Of course, teammates back in Detroit uh, long ago. They don't see. I, I don't sense that they bond in the same way that probably Verlander and Garrett Cole did in Houston, right? Like if, if if Verlander signs with the Yankees, I could see a lot being like, "Look at these two. They they built to feed off each other, whatever." Scherzer seems like a little bit less likely. I don't really recall their days in Detroit in any sort of interpersonal level. Um, but yeah, no, that's that would be that'd be a hell of a flex to. I don't know who who you starting on opening day. I think it's Max is the is the incumbent, especially if Degrom's gone. Oh, between Verlander and Scherzer, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't know. This Verlander is and Scherzer guy. together on the same team does seem like it could be a little bit of like a pick con- that, contest because that's that's more interesting than people try to make the Scherzer. Degrom is there's no personality there to like yeah. to become you know controversial or to to butt heads with Max. Like yeah, like they show them sitting next to each other during every Mets game, but it's like yeah, okay, those are the two greatest pitchers of all time. But I'm not personality wise, I'm not interested in that at all. No, Verlander Scherzer would be a lot more interesting. Uh, him on that team would be very interesting, but. I think you're I think it is notable that they're zooming just because it reaffirms my belief that the Mets will end up with one of these mm. three aces, mm-hmm. Rodon, mm-hmm. Verlander, or DeGrom, DeGrom at the yeah. end of the winter. Because they need them. They yeah. need they their yeah. number two starter right now is Carlos Carrasco, and their number three starter right now is Eliezer Hernandez, <laughs> who they just traded. Well, with. and they right, and they're they're currently uh building their bullpen on waivers after giving Evan Diaz um hundred million dollars. So yeah, no, I, I agree. They they got a lot of I actually of, got an email. Yeah. About being in the Mets bullpen. You're in the they're they're gonna do an open tryout. An for open tryout. It's, it's gonna be Jordan, it's gonna be like um in what was that movie? Not Inception, not Invictus, Invincible, the Vince Papale uh, Eagles football movie where he tries no, out for the Eagles. No, that was Invictus. That was Invictus. They're going to do that with the Mets bullpen. It's like, hey, did did you do you live down. in New York? Come on down. Do you to live in New York? Flushing. Yeah, come to Williamsburg. You can go the softball fields of Williamsburg. You could be our new Colin Hold- Holderman. All right. Which, by the way, hey, quick quick note. 
someone's going to like signing Seth Lugo. That dude's good. That dude's good. I don't know why the Mets aren't just like, oh, let's just bring Seth Lugo back. Seth Lugo's great. There was the moment in their last game where he like went out to the field and took one last look. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, just bring Seth Lugo back. How much could that possibly cost? That's uh, where Steve Cohen draws the line. I was like, what? Like Seth Lugo's great. Anyway, uh, okay, that's that's Verlander uh, and the Mets. Uh, one other uh, actual transaction we wanted to mention was the Angels swinging a deal for Gio Urshela. Um, this was, I believe, the first ever trade broken on Instagram, uh, courtesy of Jeff Passan. He said, click on this link. I said, I'm not falling for that, Jet Passan, Mr. NFT scammer. And I was like, oh, no, that's actually Jeff. I guess I'll click on this Instagram link. Uh, and yeah, the Angels traded for Gio Rochella. Let's talk about that first. Let's talk about the news being broken mm. on Instagram. Unless you live under a rock, you know that Twitter precarious position (laughs) not looking good twitter is in the hospital is what i would say it is not dead it it might not even be dying but you know when you hear like a celebrity dies and a couple months before they're like oh well they're not doing great that's where twitter's at right now that or it's like in a movie when someone (laughs) is in the hospital and there's a lot beeping right it's like and the (laughs) and the nurses and the nurses are like trying to scramble and like figure out what the hell's going on now in this case we sort of know what's going on Anyway, point people is, people are leaving. We have lost. People are certainly leaving. I was going to say, we have lost what? Like at least 500, 600 followers in like a week. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Which maybe, I don't know, maybe people don't like our, Maybe we've been putting out some bad tweets. I, it feels like it's more of a, a you know, a larger co- context. Anyway, but people are preparing for the worst. And what part of that, that means is, hey, there are other social media sites that aren't breaking yeah. and we could do things over there. And it is interesting to see Jeff Passan, the newsbreaker of all newsbreakers. Twitter has become the home for breaking oh, yeah. news. It is where you do this. It has become such a quintessential part of sports media and sports journalism. And to see Jeff, I mean, it's the perfect level of trade to get people <laughs> to go to Instagram. Jeff could not have done this with the Aaron Judge signing. Could you imagine if Jeff Well, was it like, would have been a hell of a move. That's the thing, because it did feel like he, he didn't feel compelled, even if we all think Twitter's going to break any second, he didn't feel compelled to actually put it on Twitter in the way... That to your point, a bigger signing. He's like, I'm not going to waste a possible tweet with, you know, five thousand likes in three seconds uh, to put it on Instagram. But in this case, Gio Rochelle to the Angels, perfect. It's so perfect. Uh, classic Angels. Do you think one that, year? Do like, you think one second? Do you think two questions? Does the fact that this was the first trade broken on Instagram <laughs> does that make its way into Gio Rochelle's Wikipedia page? And two is Urshela asked about it at some point during the season. Uh, maybe to the first question, no to the second question. Um, I mean, I guess if Twitter actually did, no, I I think maybe to the first question. But Gio's, no. <laughs> what is it? What Gio, he, he, we're asking players about how he's probably like, yeah, that's how I found out on Instagram. What the fuck, <laughs> Derek Falvey? Like, why am I scrolling on Instagram? That's the other thing. More players are on Instagram. Players are maybe more likely to find out about their trades on Instagram versus on Twitter. So that's an interesting dynamic that maybe we will see play out over the next couple of months. Hopefully not. Uh, anyway, the actual trade baseball wise, I mean, this is Clyde. The Angels have not done this for five years in a row. We're not going to make any actual huge signings. Besides, you know, Rendon and Otani, uh, we're just going to sign guys for one year. I know they gave Tyler Anderson three years, but like, let's just get a bunch of middling guys so that it's stars and, you know, middling guys and scrubs. And then maybe we'll, we'll have a winning season. Hasn't worked yet. Now, here's the thing. They're going to, it seems like they're going to just play him at shortstop, which is pretty wild. We know Gio has played shortstop uh, in the big leagues before. 
somewhat passively. So part of me is like, you know what? That's kind of creative. But I uh, is this the best option? Should the Angels just sign one of the shortstops? Probably. They're not going to do that. They're not going to make that kind of commitment in their, their uh, offseason influx. I do like, though, that they are doing what I expected, which is not trade Otani and try, even if it's I don't think it's going to work. I think this is it, man. I think this is the move that tips the scales. <laughs> I think Gio Urshela playing shortstop mm-hmm. is going to bring the Angels over the hump yeah. finally. All right. This is the this is the move <laughs> finally that believe. makes me believe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. We'll see about that. Uh, there's always oh, Phil Nevin and Marcus Thames. They love they love Gio for the the time with the Yankees. All right. That's fine. Uh, by the way, Gio was awesome. I I really like Gio Urshela, so this honestly makes me kind of sad because <laughs> I don't like players I like going to the Angels, but. Uh, it's fine. It's it's creative. Do I think it's the best option? No, but hey, it's a trade. Creativity points. If anything, I'm I'm kind of more curious about it from the Twins' angle because Gio Shella was a good player for them last year, and I don't know what the plan is there moving forward. Uh, all right, I think that's it for news. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with some mailbag questions and our new segment uh, celebrating baseball of yesteryear. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we are back here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And we are sitting in my parents' basement recording this podcast. We are both home in the D.C. area for Thanksgiving. Jordan, before we hop back into the baseball world, take mm. a little gander <laughs> yeah. around my parents' basement. Yeah. What what stands out to you? What, wow. what are some items that you see that mm-hmm. are notable, that uh, elicit joy or thoughts yeah, in your mind? Yeah, uh, it's an easy answer. Uh, it's the uh, Plinko board that we named Peter Pachinko. We're showing it. I mean, who knows if we're going to have this clip. But if you followed our work at uh, MLB.com at Cut4, we had a Plinko board that we named Peter Pachinko that we would put uh, a bunch of different options at the bottom, whether it was usually to predict the postseason or predict where free agents would go or where trades would happen. And we would, you know, put the little uh, the the piece at the top and it would come down. And that was our version of predicting things. And our greatest, probably the best content we've ever made that we don't bring up all the time is the fact that we had Peter Pachinko predict the entire 2018 postseason and he nailed it. Every single, <laughs> he literally got every, and I, we, we should uh, tweet the video back out because we, we, we did at some point. Again, if Twitter's still around. He got every At, round correct. The, he did not miss one prediction. He doesn't miss. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't miss. You know, those like, oh, this turtle in, uh, in you know, Uruguay is going to pick the winner of the World Cup. And they have him like kind of scoot towards one of the soccer balls. That dude's got nothing on Peter Pachinko. And so to see this board, this I don't know why it's here, but I guess it's better here than in the trash. Just gives me a lot of joy. So thanks for asking. And what about you? I mean, this is where this is your basement, not mine. Is there anything around here that that gives you joy? Um, no, just no. you, Jordan. <laughs> okay, thanks, man. All right, let's uh, get to the mailbag. Uh, we're gonna do three questions, or I don't know, these aren't necessarily all questions. I guess these are these are all questions. 
Um, again, you can email us baseballbarbacast at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-Cast at gmail.com. And, uh, and yeah, we got, we got a couple good ones here. So keep them coming because we're going to try to be way more consistent about this in the offseason to be diving into the mailbag. So let's begin with an email from Ian. Ian says hello. His, hello. The title of his email is Mailbag Question, which is true. I, Nailed I, it. I got my attention. <laughs> Nailed it. Hello, first time, long time. I'm actually not sure whether this is a good mailbag question or like I would love to read an article about it. During the Phillies run, you mentioned a few times that Bryson Stott does not drink and would still be the life of the party during celebrations and such. That story slash anecdote piqued my interest about how players and coaches who avoid alcohol navigate playoff celebrations that seem to revolve around alcohol. To be more specific, if a player or coach is an alcoholic, what do they do? I just feel like that has to happen occasionally, and it feels like an important thing to consider, and I'm curious. Thanks, Ian. Great question. Great question. This is I would also why, like to read an article about it. This is part of why they don't play the World Cup or the World Series in Cutter. Because <laughs> yeah, this is the, the only reason. The 2022 Phillies <laughs> would have had an awful time in Doha. That's very true. Um, and you know, I mean, but hey, the weather's not that bad there right now. I mean, you could play in this. In this yeah, you could play in this. You could play in this. <laughs> could play the regular season, that's for sure. Warmer than the bank. Uh really interesting question. I had my first champagne locker room celebration experience this postseason and there were a number of so the the important thing to understand is that not everybody not all 26 players are in the middle of the room the whole time going at getting after it there are players who kind of stand on the outside there are at least like 30 other club staff members between coaches trainers Mm -hmm. nutritionists front office people, you know, the president of marketing or whatever, yeah. who are in the room too, standing on the sides, just like having a beer, clinking it up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll often see the players kind of filter back. The best way to think about it um, is kind of like a wedding mm-hmm. where there's the dance floor and then there are the people <laughs> having conversations elsewhere mm-hmm. in the wedding mm-hmm. on the side. Mm-hmm. And the focus and the life of the wedding and the all the pictures that you're going to see is the wedding the video floor. is going to be in the dance floor. But that doesn't floor. mean everyone's on a dance floor. Bingo. And there are players who don't like to be around alcohol will just not drink it. Now, there's two different levels of that. There are the players who don't drink and are fine having drinks poured on them. Mm-hmm. And that is Stott. Mm-hmm. And that is Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. who also mm-hmm. presume, I believe, does not drink. At least people have never seen him drink. Yeah. In the locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are people who don't even get in there. And I believe that's what happened with CeCe Sabathia mm-hmm. at the end of his Yankees tenure after he had kind of had his very public battle with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I think he just kind of abstained mm-hmm. from that. I think the similar thing happened with Josh Donaldson mm-hmm. or no, sorry, Josh Hamilton mm-hmm. with the Rangers mm-hmm. where they had like Martinelli's apple cider or they yes. took measures to make sure that he was not uncomfortable Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's this is something that i think has been maybe not a full article about this but this is has been an issue that has happened in the past um i obviously we're not any sort of experts on alcoholism and how situated this is a unique situation that normally you wouldn't be thrust into in the same kind of way uh but of course it's also undeniably it's it's a cause of celebration and it's not like the players don't realize that they're they're having a great time too so yeah i I think it's i'm sure it's a balance and i'm also sure that it is something that the club is very prepared for it's not it's not going to take them you know catch them off guard if there are players in that situation from an alcoholism perspective i know Mm -hmm. that you know part of it is 
being around people who are drinking and ha- making that that makes you want to have a drink. Mm-hmm. Now, I imagine that usually is like seeing someone sip an old fashioned, <laughs> not pour an entire right know, can so of Budweiser normal, down it's someone's normal shirt. alcohol consumption <laughs> right. situation. No, it's it's a good question. Though. But I did see Blake Snell just chugging water. I will say during their <laughs> celebration, I don't believe Blake Snell drinks. Mm-hmm. Oops, drop my water bottle. I don't believe Blake Snell drinks, <laughs> but he was hammering agua mm. during just, the Padre celebration against getting real hydrated, hydrated. <laughs> Good for Blake Snow. All right, let's move on to this next question. This one comes from Sean. This is a good off-season one. Sean says, we all love bad jersey swaps by desperate fans. Do we? (laughs) So my question is, which single player has been badly jersey swapped onto which single team that they have never played for the most? My pick is Bryce Harper in a Yankees jersey. Thanks, Sean. Now, when he says jersey swap, when I first read this, I thought he meant like, exchanging oh like jerseys. the post game like you know holding it up like all right here which really doesn't happen in baseball nearly as much as in other sports although i i feel like it happens kind of more behind the scenes right football and basketball they're doing it post game immediately you see it all the time baseball you're not meeting on the field after the game that does not happen uh at least in major league professional baseball you maybe sometimes see it in the minors but you would never see it in, in the big leagues. Let's talk about this actually, because yeah. before we get to actual his actual question, <laughs> you know when you see tweets from people who are like, "This idea that they do in other sports, why do we do this in baseball? This is part of why the game is dying. We need to, you know." In, I saw one of these about jersey swaps. Yeah. I don't think that fans seeing a picture of Pablo Lopez and Chris Bassett giving each other a sweaty uniform after the game is going to save baseball or that baseball is dying yeah. to begin Also, with. this does still happen. Like, th- this is a very common, you know, certainly like the future Hall of Famers are constantly being asked, so Albert Pujols, give me a semi jersey. There was a great one this year with Julio Rodriguez and Aaron Judge when the Yankees were in Seattle. That, there was, and that was pregame, right? But the sweaty, like, let's take the photo after, you know, we literally just came off, said, good game, here's my jersey. This is not going to happen. There's so many games. <laughs> that, that too. You know, we can't just go through 162 jerseys. <laughs> right. But I think you're very correct that it is the lack of proximity on the field after a game, right? Yeah. You don't basketball, brah, game's over, you do the handshakes, everyone's mingling on the court. Yes. Football, everyone's in same the, thing. on the field. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about hockey. <laughs> Soccer is the same. Everyone's in the middle of the pitch, right? Yeah. There's right. the proximity the, aspect to yeah. it. We don't get that. You, you leave. You lose, you leave. <laughs> in baseball. Oh, you lost? Go home. <laughs> get out of there. Uh, all right. But anyways, actual question. In terms of bad photoshops, which you know, you're know you very familiar with, um, Bryce Harper and Yankees one is, is a great one. Now, we're not getting those really anymore because he signed you a long-term deal. So who's a candidate for this? Who are we seeing the most currently right now in the most uniforms? Uh, first place, uh, Otani. Juan Soto, for sure. And I think we're going to keep getting Juan Soto ones uh, until he signs an extension with the Padres. To me, Juan Soto to the Mets. Yeah, Juan Soto Mets. Juan Soto Mets even more than Juan Soto Yankees. This is the other thing, is that you you would never see Mets ones until Steve Cohen bought the team. And now, it's to the same degree, now it's like, oh, we could get anybody. Like, this is great. You're going to put everybody for agency. So now we, we put everyone in Mets jersey. It's the future Yankee mentality, right? It's, it's Everyone's in. just a future Yankee. In. And it might be more realistic now for Mets and Yankees. But you need a fan base who, uh, like, needs the Photoshop. It, and it comes down to who's making the Photoshop because there are the Photoshops done 
by the accounts just trying to suck up RTs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's true. Which is just ubiquitous Respect. at this point. Yeah. Like our employer, mm-hmm. Fox Sports, mm-hmm. did a posted one of Anthony Rizzo in an Astros jersey for some reason. And it's like, yeah, it's the easiest freaking art. People will retweet and tweet angrily. Like, that's what they want you to do. You can put anyone in any other uniform and it'll get RTs. I could put like, you know, Cesar Hernandez in a Reds (laughs) uniform. It'd be like, you thinking emoji? And people would be like, yes, bring him home. That's what we need more of, right? We need more of like the lower tier. Like here, let's see. Let's see who's just like, Cesar Hernandez is honestly a perfect example. It's like, all right. Eric Fetty was just not tendered. Like, let's just see Ooh. some Eric Fetty Royals jersey swaps. That's the people thing. People are going to go crazy. Yankees fans, in some ways, they don't maybe need the photoshops to the same extent because they are, people have already they think they're like above them. it, right? right. They oh, can, that's true. Yankees fans don't need to create a visual representation of their hopes and dreams because they believe mm-hmm. that Vlad Jr. will be on the Yankees one day. They don't need to create that's a great point. that well, in Maybe not anymore, but, Photoshop. but yes. Uh, this is actually a good transition to our last uh, mailbag question because I think this next team is also one that we are seeing a lot of. This email comes from Michael. Michael, the title of the email is You Asked for a Poem, which I do think we did. I think we said, send us yeah, your poems, send us your haikus, send us your ballads, your whatevers. And he sent us a nice, a nice, little, uh, nice little haiku here from Michael. Offseason is sad. Favorite players leave teams. Do the Cubs have hope? Love, love the pot in all its iterations. I have to say something to Michael. <laughs> yeah, Michael, I don't know if you know this, but all of your favorite players left during the season. <laughs> they were all traded at the they, deadline. Left over the last few years. <laughs> That's the thing. Your favorite players have already left the teams for sure. But they, his players, did not leave during the off season. That's for true. him. It should be. August is very That's true. Sad. <laughs> That's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah, July thirty first at four thirty p.m. is a really sad time. Um, here's uh, here. I, I just want to use this excuse to talk about the Cubs because I don't think we've talked about the Cubs much um, this this offseason. We did the, on, the, on the team preview, and you know, combining it with this last email, like the Cubs fans right now are in a very there is no team I think, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm not more desperate to sign an amazing player than the Cubs. And I feel like this was true last offseason too, but it was clear they were still focusing on going backwards. Now that they've officially, essentially cleaned house on everyone from 2016. Yeah, they have. There's there's no one left. Kyle Hendricks. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is, is left. That's true. Ian Happ was there after, so he doesn't even count. Um, they now seem ready to go forward. We don't know how much they want to go forward. But because they're the Cubs and not the Orioles, to, you know, respectfully, nope. it, it is conceiving. It is you could conceive. You've seen them sign giant free agents before, and so they are thinking, "Let's do it. Let's just sign Carlos Correa. Let's sign Cody. I mean, you know, they got Suzuki last year, but let's sign Tango. Let's sign Degrom. Let's do. Let's do these things." And th- they are clearly the fan base just just living on the edge of every single possible rumor connecting them to a top free agent. And I I respect it. I, I appreciate it. And and honestly, I for Michael and for the other Cubs fans. I do hope they get one of them. Do I think they're going to contend next year? No, because <laughs> I think they're a long way away. But I really hope that because this is they're hopeful. They're trending in the right direction. The farm system is built up like they I, I generally trust Jed and they got some new player development in there. But they are they are the thirsty. I truly think they are the thirstiest fan base uh, this offseason for a big name free agent. I and really do believe that. I think they should be. Yeah, because 
you ask if they have hope, and they do, and that's because this division sucks. (laughs) The NL Central is wreckage right now. And to me, I think the Cubs could compete next year if they spent money. If they wanted to push the payroll up to like $220 million, they could easily compete next year. And they should be able to. If you're running a payroll that high, which the Cubs should be doing. Obviously can, right? Obviously can. I don't know what it got up to in their in their peak. I mean, the money that they have committed, it's Stroman, Suzuki, one more year of Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, um, what's their payroll at right now? Like 120? 127. Like, they yeah. could get up to 200 easy. Yeah. That team's making hand over fist from all oh the random buildings people they People are bought. still going. That's the other thing. They yeah. sucked last year, and there are still people showing up, which we love. That's, that's, that's the best thing about Cubs fans. We love that. Uh, but, and this team is not that bad. Like, Suzuki, Horner, Hap mm-hmm. are good players mm-hmm. on World Series teams in my opinion yeah i think horner is the real yeah no i'm 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 in on horner now beyond that it's pretty light and the rotation in particular like behind stroman and hendrix is like i like pitching's not justin steel yeah justin steel's fine yep there's enough there that you should be able to field a team and if not now when because the pirates are gonna eventually maybe gonna get okay Mm -hmm. and the reds are gonna get okay again and the brewers are you're in this lull this is a good time to jump back up into the mix now's the time to pay with this market yes this free agent market yes with the money that you have to spend Mm -hmm. with this division not being good go do it like they could just sign eight players and immediately be competitive right and look you could say the same thing about the orioles and not that they haven't run I know Michael Bauman just wrote this piece on Fangraphs being like, what if the Orioles just had a $220 million payroll? Um, the Cubs don't have that much wiggle room, but also they have a way more consistent history of spending a lot. And so particularly in free agency. And so, yeah, I think they, I think they should. So do they have hope? I think yes, but I'm, I'm, they are, boy, are they desperate for our friends at Bleacher Nation. Oh man, they, are, they are just dying for anything right now. All right. That is a mailbag. Uh, again, you can email us at baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. And now we are going to introduce a new segment, and this is going to be the end of our show today. Uh, for those of us, uh, those of you, I guess, us who listened <laughs> and did the Barbacast in its uh, original rendition back in our days in college, we loved to talk about baseball a long, long time ago, particularly funny baseball names a long, long time ago. And we did something called the B-Ref Battle, where Jake and I, every week, would go into the annals of baseball reference and find the funniest possible names that we could. Uh, and this is, we're digging deep. This is, we didn't even, they didn't even have to be major leaguers. We were going deep into the baseball reference, um, the basement of baseball reference, to find these names. And we would introduce them. We would talk about them. What we found is not just that their names were funny, but that their lives were funny because the world was very different a hundred years ago. And so instead of just focusing on the funny names now, what we would like to do is introduce a new uh, segment that allows us to celebrate uh, these this, this time in history. What are we officially calling this segment? I would like to call it Hardball Mad Libs. <laughs> okay, great. Old timey, whatever. The point is, is Mad Libs is the key here. Dead ball Mad Libs. Dead ball Mad Libs. That's perfect. Dead ball Mad Libs. And the way that this is going to work is usually Jake, although I would love to participate at some point. We ha- Jake has, I believe, selected a player and the career of a player or some portion of a player of which I believe you'll be reading from his either Wikipedia page or his Sabre page. Correct. And at certain points in the story, Jake will stop 
and ask me to guess what to complete the sentence. To complete the sentence, okay. <laughs> now, do I get to know who the player is before yeah, we begin? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So we're gonna try this out again. This is a dry. We we did a dry run uh, before we, we recorded or a few weeks ago. I have not heard anything about this. This is not rehearsed at all. So we're gonna see how this goes, and uh, we're gonna have a good time, and then we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye. So here we go. Our first ever dead ball Mad Lib, uh, Jake. Who are we learning about today? Jordan, are you ready to talk about pussy? <laughs> Bring it on. Pussy to bow? Are we talking about pussy to bow? All right. When did pussy to bow play? Wait, wait, wasn't there also... Pe- okay, sorry. Go ahead. Ah. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Ah. Uh, spoilers. I'm remembering too much. Pussy to bow was definitely on a, a B-Ref battle at some point. Okay, so tell For me. For the first time on this pod, we're going to talk about pussy. I'm ready. Pussy to bow. Uh, sorry, I'm reading from a Sabre page uh, written by a gentleman named Brian McKenna. Thank you, Brian. Pussy Tabo made the most of his brief baseball career, appearing in only two games in the majors for the Cleveland Spiders, even though he played just two abbreviated seasons. Charles Alston Tabo was born in Worcester, Massachusetts mm. on February 22nd, 1870. His father may have. May. <laughs> his father may have. Uh, may have been. I have no nope. idea. His father may have been. Been. I don't know what this is a tough place to start. May have been a so I have no idea. Go ahead. Phil. His father may have been born in France. Uh, <laughs> so he could have been so many things. Okay. I know I left it open for you. Pussy Tabu uh, Tabo uh, grew up in New England mm-hmm. and uh, was playing in New England, doing things in New England, okay. being in New England. Charles is his real name. Charles, but you know, yeah. it's unclear. <laughs> this is what will not become clear. We don't know why people called him Pussy. Oh, okay. Now, I. <laughs> it's not going to be part of this mystery. No. I have theories okay. as to why people called him that, <laughs> um, but they're unfounded and I'm not going to. Every between the lines. Yeah. So he's playing in New England and he gets sold to Portland at a tryout. But instead of going to Portland, he gets on a train and heads to Cleveland instead. Instead, he caught a train for Cleveland on July 11th, and Tabot joined his namesakes, the brothers George and Patsy Tabot, on the Cleveland Spiders. Charles was not related to the brothers of Some Have Said. Some speculated that Pussy was brought in by Patsy, Cleveland's manager, in order to... In order to field a team, to have enough players to be in the league. In order to confuse, confuse opposing <laughs> managers with a lineup full of several ambiguous tabos, Patsy could potentially list one, two, or three tabos on his lineup card and later decide which of the three to play or bat in a specific order. So here's what I'm thinking is... So basically, he just wrote Tabo and didn't <laughs> signify which one was going to play. And then they were like, which guy? And you'd be like, oh, you're throwing lefty. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, it really matchup shenanigans. It seems like he had George and Patsy Tabo already. And when Charles Tabo showed up, he was like, I need another P to bow. <laughs> and so you're going to be <laughs> pussy to bow. Well, it, actually, we do have some insight here. At the time, the national newspapers identified Charles as C.A. to bow, which mm. highlights his initials as Charles Austin. Oh, to bow. C.A.T. Oh, OK. Cat. Cat. He was cat. Garland. Oh, he was, cat. he was cat. They oh, called him pussy. Oh, he was okay. 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 I'm seeing it. I'm seeing That's it. really creative. I was for, gonna say, no, but this is what they were so good at these newspapers, you know, a hundred years ago. 
All they did was nicknames also, and racism at the newspaper. That was <laughs> those were their two specialties. That was their bag. What uh this is 18, late 1890s, right? Yeah. Spiders, okay, yeah. So he plays two games for the Spiders. So 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 he didn't even get to use this multiple Tabo strategy because Portland's manager saw Tabo's name in the newspapers on the morning of July 23rd playing in the National League with the Spiders. He immediately suspended the player and fired filed a grievance with the National League. As he had already filed Tabo's contract with league president Nick Young. So Tabo had agreed to a deal with a team in Portland, Maine, got on a train and fled to Cleveland. And then and jo- he was two-timing a team. <laughs> he was he had like two families yes. at the same time. And the he, first manager read about it in the newspaper. Right. He told the Portland manager, like, yeah, I'll be there for sure. No, no, no problem. <laughs> Can you give me like a day or two? I'll be I'll be there. Just it may be not Monday, Tuesday. I'll definitely be there for that game. I have to go play with this other team. Paternity leave, and then and then he opens up the newspaper. He's like, "This is this fucker. This, this guy's in Cleveland." <laughs> uh, uh, okay. The arguments dragged out between the two teams into August, but eventually Cleveland's Patsy Tabo was forced to relinquish the rights to pussy. <laughs> he did so bitterly, declaring that the player quote, uh, "had he had that the player had deceived him." Um, and thus it was not his fault. He was basically trying to get out of this. He did so bitterly declaring that the player, quote, isn't much good anyway. <laughs> oh, that makes more sense. He's like, ah, screw him. I, we don't need this. You go back to Portland. Amazing. You <laughs> sign this guy only for his last name. Plays two games. You're like, this guy sucks. This, guy, this, doesn't, this, sucks. Isn't gonna, this isn't going to work. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't build a roster around people's last names. It's oh, like a team boy. being like, Oh, Jose Ramirez? We got to find another Ramirez so we can <laughs> confuse get the twins. in there as soon as possible. Uh, in the final preseason game the following year, Tabo was... Uh, injured. Beaned. Yep. Okay. And was unconscious. Not beaned up. <laughs> you just beaned. And was unconscious for more than 15 minutes. Oh, jeez. The game was called after the incident. He was in the hospital for more than two weeks. A hardy five foot ten inches tall and 175 pounds. That's just huge in 1899. <laughs> That's like Dwight Howard. Yeah, <laughs> he had lost. Oh, he lost his vision. 25 pounds by the <laughs> oh, time God. he was released from the hospital. Oh no! Yikes. This is awful. Never appeared in a regular season game for Portland and was released in the middle of June. His Oof. baseball career came to an end, and he supported his family as a, as a. <laughs> this is, I mean, this mailman, machinist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. An occupation he took up while still in his teens. He worked for many years for General Electric before retiring <laughs> in 1933. Pussy was active in Democratic politics as a councilman and alderman representing Pittsfield, Massachusetts' nice. Ward 3. Nice. Western a member Mass. of the city's Board of Health from 1920 to 1926. Board of Health. All right. Okay. Which is, you know, I mean, this guy lost 25 pounds. I was going to say, I, well, I don't know. This is, this, but maybe he went through it. Now he, now he knows what to, what to recommend other people. Pussy died at his longtime residence, 125 Newell Street. Oh, just, check it out. Let's just <laughs> hit it up on Google Earth. Sabres <laughs> just doxing Pussy to In Pittsfield. <laughs> doxing someone. Oh, in Pittsfield. He died in Pittsfield. I've oh, been to Pittsfield. I should have so gone and check it out. Okay. March 25th, 1950, at the age of 80, after... After 19, he made it to 1950. He died at 80. That's incredible. After about with X. Nope, just says long illness. Oh, long illness. He's buried in the local St. Joseph Cemetery. That is the story of Pussy Drone. I 
They told me about this in high school sex ed class. It's yeah. very different than I remember. I was going to say. Also, uh, this is really a tough look for who is the the manager, the the manager of the spiders. This says a Patsy. lot about this. Says, oh, it was literally Patsy. He was already at Tabo. They wanted to bring in another Tabo. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, Cleveland spiders were just a, just a mess. I mean, Patsy and Pussy Tabo were not related. We're not related. Well, again, it was just it was Patsy and George and George Tabo, or sorry, Charles Tabo, and then he became. He became. He made, made him. He forced. He made him a pussy. He made him a pussy. <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to be our first uh, dead ball mad lib. This was I good. I can't stop laughing about the idea of like the GM of a team just sitting around like, "All right, how can we improve this team?" And I mean, one guy's uh, like, "What if we got a left-handed batsman?" Here's and the, the thing. other guy's like, "What if we got someone with the same last name as me?" Right. But I'm I'm thinking more about the the Portland GM or manager or whatever. Because the 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 what is the most realistic? This is my last question. Then we'll be done. Uh, what is the most realistic way that that could happen in baseball today? To me, it's it's winter league. To me, it's like I'm managing. I'm a GM of a dome team, and it's like I got this pitcher in Mexico who's going to come in and start for us on Wednesday, and then you you know open up Twitter on Tuesday night and you see him pitching in Venezuela, and you're just like, what? Like this guy's supposed to start for me tomorrow? The better way is juco baseball where you're a juco junior college coach and you have a kid you're bringing in for for the fall and he's verbally committed and you're like you classes are all squared away and he's like classes are all squared away and then you open up twitter and there he is just hitting for like lsu and fall ball oh man that's true or the other mm, yeah there's a lot of different ways we can go anyway all right, that's our first ever uh, Dead Ball Mad Libs. is a very, very strong start. Finally. We will try to- I taught Jordan about pussy. <laughs> yeah. Finally, he knows. We, um, we uh, what did you- Never mind. All right, we'll, be, we'll, we'll cut it here. Uh, thank you all for listening to another edition of Baseball Barbacast, the old school parents' basement edition. We will be back uh, later this week with some more bonus content, even though it's Thanksgiving, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but uh, thank you all for listening. We will see what more news we have next week. Good luck. Thank to, you to Chris Tyler. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this. He's not here in the uh, in in Jake's basement, but he is here on Zoom with Justin Verlander. Is also here on the Zoom. So thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, we will we will be back soon. And uh, yeah, baseballbarbercast@gmail.com. Hit us up. Bye bye. Check out Racco Plus. <laughs>